If you think about it, the number one expense you're going to have in your life, especially as a business owner, is taxes. You can't get away from it. Taxes is one of those areas that costs us so much of our money, yet we never spend the same amount of time, effort, energy, creativity, or strategy to figure out how to spend less on taxes than we do on making more money. And making more money is great. But if you're going to make more money, you're going to pay more in taxes and you need a strategy to reduce your tax bill, not to illegally avoid taxes, but to pay only what you owe. No one wants to pay more than they owe. So this is where the power of a good accountant or tax advisor comes into play. And friend, do I have one for you today? I'm bringing on my own personal tax advisor, Amanda Hahn, who's brilliant when it comes to business, tax, and real estate to unpack some of the biggest things we can do as business owners to reduce our tax bill, how to be more strategic, how to save money so we have more money in our pockets to reinvest in our business, to give to someone else, or just to enjoy on our own. We're also going to unpack the worst tax advice that she sees on TikTok and Instagram as these new influencers are coming on the scene with tax advice. And we'll dive into real estate and why it's such a good investment vehicle from a tax savings perspective. So friend, this is not going to be a boring episode. If you've ever wanted to understand taxes a bit more in your business and get some strategy, Amanda Hahn is one of the best I know of because she can explain this stuff in a way that makes sense to you and me as a normal human being, especially as a business owner. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this helpful conversation with my own tax advisor, Amanda Hahn. All right, Amanda, I'm pumped to have this conversation with you because not only are you an expert on all things tax advice for business owners and real estate, but you are my tax advisor. <laughs> so I am, I'm always interested in learning. So hopefully I'll be selfishly learning from this episode as well. But um, I have a lot of respect for you and what your husband do. And I'm excited that we've been able to start working together this year. And I'm excited to bring you on the show. So thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, I am so excited to be here uh, with you guys as well. So let's get started with a little bit of your journey because you started as a CPA, as an accountant and working for like other firms, bigger firms, but then you started your own business and your husband started your own, your own practice. So maybe talk me through like, how did you make that decision and decide I want to be a business owner? I don't just want to do this work for someone else's business. Yeah, it's really um, interesting. I'm actually the third generation of business owners in my family. So I never realized this until much later on in life, but my grandparents uh, were business owners. My parents were business owners. Um, and, but however, I was always taught to, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a really stable job. And what job is more stable than being an accountant, right? <laughs> it's like the Nailed most it. stable yeah. job. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I started out working, uh, in a big, big firm and, um, you know, one day actually my, my husband started reading Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor dad book. Uh, and it's really interesting when I tell the story because I think even as an accountant, it was really eye opening for me because like I said, I was just at a regular W2 job working my butt off. And at some point I realized, you know, um, we really need to build other sources of income. Uh, we really need to go out and kind of build our own business, uh, have other passive income. And so that's kind of what got us started down the road of having our own business. But, you know, I have to say, I think for many of our listeners, it's, it wasn't always a smooth transition going from a big corporation to your own firm. It's like, I all of a sudden realized that, you know, there's no male department. That's me. <laughs> there's no yeah. secretary. That's me. I'm kind of doing everything. Um, but it's definitely rewarding now looking back years later. 
That's amazing. And how long ago did you guys branch out on your own and start your own business? Gosh, it's got to be like over 25, almost 25 years ago when we did it. That's amazing. And you, and you run it with your husband, which is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like either we're going to do really, really well, or, you know, it's going (laughs) to like end our marriage. Um, But it's funny because when they say opposites attract, my husband and I are very different. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're both accountants, we're both CPAs, but I think for me, uh, I'm more on the creative side of things. um, And he's the the super technical guy. So what happens is I come up with crazy ideas and then he tells me if they're actually workable or if they're crazy. That's awesome. That is awesome. Are you familiar with um, Patrick Lencioni, his six types of working geniuses? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think about that. Like you, you might be high wonder, like, and like, is what we could do. Here's a vision. And then you need someone who's like, this is not possible or this is possible. We can execute that. And like, you need all of that on the team. That's what it makes me think about. I'm just curious. This isn't really where we're trying to go in the episode, but since you do work with your husband, um, I had Layla Hermosi on and was asking her about how she works with Alex Hermosi. And, and it's rare to have, you know, a couple who owns a business together and then is successful at it and has not ended their marriage. I mean, it's like always wonderful to see when that works. And so what do you think has made it work for you guys? And what does that look like in terms of, do you have boundaries on work mode, not work mode? Now we're family mode. I mean, like time of the kids, do, do you guys, like Layla said, they just talk about business all the time because they found that that works for them, even though they had counsel years ago, like separate work and, and life, but they're like, we actually like to blend it. So what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because that's always something we're trying to find the right balance in. Um, I think my husband, Matt, is more of like, let's turn it off when we're home. You know, now we're going to we are at the sports games and, you know, there's different things going on. Whereas for me, in my mind, a lot of times it's like business is still going on. Ideas are still going on. Um, I think as the kids get older, uh, our kids, as they get older, it's easier for us to find the right balance. Um, because also too, when they're older, what we found just even in the last two years is that it's helpful for them to hear about some of the success and struggles and what we're facing in our business on a day-to-day basis. We talk to them about investing, you know, like, Hey, why do we invest in, in real estate or why do we invest in other businesses? Um, you know, what are some of the people issues we have at work? And, and they'll ask the cutest questions in their own mind on how things work. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm the third generation of business owners and real estate investors in my family. And I just think for me, growing up around my grandparents, my uncles talking about family business and investment has really helped shaped kind of how I make my decisions and, and how we've built our own business, too. I love that. I, I do love that so much. I think there's some something really wise about whatever your work is, like bringing your kids into it. Like my wife and I, we, we fight for a lot of things in our family, but the biggest thing we'll fight for, um, like in terms of a habit would be the dinner table, like the family dinner table, like every night we possibly can, we'll make that the rule rather than the exception. Um, but it's because like life happens around the table and we can talk to each other and and we don't try to talk about business intentionally around the table. Like we don't want to hog the conversation, but we do, we don't shy away from the frustrations about, and we don't even have the same business, but like Shay will be like, Hey, here's what I'm struggling with this, or here's a high for this, or I'll share the same thing. Like we actually had a big launch last week and I'll tell the kids like, Hey, this course did really, really well, or people really like this offer or whatever. Um, and so I think that's beautiful what you shared. Cause then your kids get to learn um, about business in case they want to start a business, but they also get to see you struggle and see you succeed and see that mom and dad are like 
how are they learning to figure these things out? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what our kids need, right? Is to learn how to struggle and figure things out and solve problems. So that's actually really, really cool. I love that. Yeah. You know, being a CPA, of course, my husband, I, a lot of what we talk about is with respect to finances and even, you know, even for ourselves. And so uh, something really funny is I was talking to uh, my older son, who's 12. And I said, Hey, you know, you just got all this money for your birthday. Instead of just spending it, you should invest, you know, save it and then invest in something. Maybe uh, at some point we invest like in, in a little uh, claw machine, right? At the local pizza parlor, and then we can make money on it. And um, so... <laughs> He took that concept and a couple of days later, he said, you know what? I have a bunch of claw machines that's now making money for me. Uh, and I was super excited. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I built that all in my uh, Roblox video games. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, he took that concept, but applied it in the video game world. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, it's, it's so cool. Like the conversations you can have, like my daughter was in the car we were coming back from, um, they, they both cheer at, at football games. And I was coming back from one of their football games they were cheering at. And she was lamenting, my oldest, she's 14. She's lamenting, dad, I'll be able to drive in two years, but I'm not going to have enough money for a car. Because we said we're not going to buy them a car, but we'll, we will um, match whatever they save for a car um, to incentivize them and also to help them out. So, but even then she's, she was just like defeated. Like, you know, it's never going to happen. Never going to have enough money for a car. And I was like, says who you haven't even like a you have two years but b like your chore money yeah it's probably not enough you're probably gonna have to go create something that you can make some more money you've got 24 months before you even could drive to get a car so what could you do to make more money which mm -hmm. I, you mentioned robert kiyosaki i think when i read rich dad poor dad the biggest takeaway i got was his line about you know his poor dad saying oh we can't afford that but his rich dad asking mm -hmm. how could we afford that how? and turning the yeah. statement into a, a how question and so i i was trying to teach her that like well, instead of saying, I can't make enough money to buy a car, how could you make enough money? And so she's like, well, I don't know, you know? And so I tried to ask her questions and, and lead her. And basically we got to like, well, babysitting is an option she could do at the very, like a fastest, easiest path to cash for her would be trading her time for some much higher income. And so like, cause she's again, not super entrepreneurial, but I'm like, Hey, we could get more income and then we could start a business this way. Once you have that come in. So just trying to give her some options and see what she was drawn to. But it was amazing how after just a 30 minute conversation, her mindset started to shift just a little bit to like, it's not possible to, huh, maybe I could do that. And now she's looking up how to, you know, do get certified with the Red Cross for, you know, CPR and, and take a babysitting class. And what is that going to cost? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I might loan you the money for the class, but you pay us back with your first, you know, <laughs> dollars from babysitting and all this kind of stuff. So it's very interesting to see their minds shift. And I love that you guys are doing that with your kids. Yeah. And I, you know, of course I, uh, being a CPA, I have to add in my two cents about taxes. Uh, one of the biggest benefits of being a business owner and having kids, especially kids, like our age, right, where they're teens or tweens, where they can actually do a lot. You know, they're capable of a lot of things, especially in the realm of technology and social media. So a really great way for all of our content creator audiences and entrepreneurs um, is to look at what can your kids help you do in your business? You know, if we're just giving them money to buy a car or to go to the movies. Um, do kids go to the movies anymore? <laughs> I do. I don't know if they do. Yeah, they just watch it on their phone. 
Yeah. Um, so when you're giving them money like allowances, it's just a personal expense. We don't get to write it off. But if you have them help out in your business, you know, whether it's helping you with social media, helping you with technology stuff, then the money that you give them could be a legitimate tax deduction, right? Because paying our kids to help out in the business is the same as me paying somebody else to do the work. Yeah. And so what that does is it helps you to take a deduction for money that you were otherwise just giving to them as personal. Now it becomes a legitimate business expense. And then like you were saying, you know, just kind of teaches them the the whole idea of like, how can I make more money? And then more quality time together too with dad, yeah. right? So that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I was literally my youngest, I, I was I pitched it to my oldest, but my youngest, I was trying to convince her to, uh, I need to like move a bunch of blog posts or create a bunch of blog posts that weren't created. Like I have a, a person on, on my team that was supposed to move blog posts over and didn't. I was like, this is really repetitive work, but could you embed a video? Could you copy this over? Could you set like, it's just get in the back end of Kajabi and go at your own pace. I'll pay you by the hour. And she was like, I would love to do that. So it's cool that she's 11, you know? So it's cool to think about how, cause you yeah. were asking Shay and I to consider that. And I was like, what, what could I get them to do? And I'm starting to come up with things that they could legitimately do that. I need someone to do that. I don't want to do. And uh, I love that. Cause then the money goes tax tax free basically. Cause it's a deduction to them. And then in theory, they could invest it in something like even like a Roth or something. And they could be invested tax free. And then there would be no taxes in a way ever on the money. Yeah, I mean, it's really powerful. Like if let's say you pay them, you know, this year you can pay up to $13,000 where you get a deduction and it's tax free to them in terms of income taxes. Um, you, of course, have to we have to justify that, you know, they have the ability and capacity to earn that. But you, they can take that money and put it into a Roth IRA. And so imagine if they're at, you know, 12, 14, the number of years of tax free growth they can have on that. You know, over time, it could be used to invest in stocks. It could be used to invest in a rental property uh, that they never have to pay taxes on. So it's really a great way, you know, not just to help us take safe taxes, but also to really set them up for success. Because I bet most teenagers that, you know, probably don't have a Roth IRA. Nope. No, they don't. I love that. I, I just love how you th you're thinking outside the box. And then just, it's beautiful to sort of the, the phantom benefits of, like you said, more quality time with your kids and, and then getting them involved and they're actually learning about the business. And there's so many benefits to that, which I just, I just never thought about. I just was always like, I do my business and I raise my kids as if they're separate things, but there's a beautiful overlap there, which I love. Um, well, you know, earlier we were talking about how, um, we, you know, now uh, we, we don't really, the kids don't want to spend all their time with us anymore. So I guess the other way to look at it is now we got to pay for their time, right? <laughs> if you want time with your teenagers, we got to pay them for it. That's fair. That's fair. I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. Um, I, I want, I want to get into some more of the, the tax strategies, but, but real quick, like I connected with you through Brandon Turner, right? Brandon Turner originally from bigger pockets, I mean, huge real estate investment guy, author, really great human being. And, um, and we're in a mastermind together and I was looking for a new tax advisor and accountant. And he was like, you got to work with Amanda. And uh, so I, I was like, well, I trust what Brandon says. And I looked up what you were doing and I was like, man, here's well, the, one of the first things I noticed was like, they're using Kajabi. Like she's using Kajabi. She's creating content. She's got an email list. Like, this is awesome. So I knew you understand stood our world, but um, how did you get connected with Brandon? How'd you get connected with bigger pockets? And uh, you've written a bunch of books. I've got one of them here, the book on tax strategies for savvy real estate investors. Like how did, how did that happen? Um, and what was that, that path like? Yeah, it's funny. I, um, you know, so I've been in real estate uh, taxes for many years and 
back then there was um, just a random guy named Brandon uh, and Josh who called me up and said, Hey, we have a podcast. Do you want to be on the podcast? And it was back when podcast wasn't a really big thing. <clears throat> so, um, you know, my husband and I, we really have a passion on educating people on how to save on taxes. So we're like, sure, why not? Um, and, you know, at the time, I think it was when bigger pockets was in its infancy. And, uh, you know, over time, I, I started hearing a lot of, uh, prospects come to me saying, Hey, I heard about you from bigger pockets, bigger pockets. And so we started to look and say, Oh, wow, this is like a really great platform. And so we got more kind of involved in it, um, in terms of writing like weekly tax strategy articles and contributions. Um, yeah. And then over time, you know, uh, Brandon and I just became friends. And, and of course, when he was, um, scaling up his business, he was, you know, looking for from that specialized in working with real estate investors. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the rest is history. It's funny you mentioned about Kajabi uh, because Kajabi actually interviewed me. Um, I think it was sometime last year and I really wasn't sure what it was all going to be about, but that was what they asked me. It's like, uh, I think I'm like, at the time I was the only CPA that was using Kajabi and they were just curious, like how I, you know, ended up doing that and what, <laughs> and what was the reason I went into this whole education, mm-hmm. um, you know, online presence mode. So, so that was really interesting. I don't know if there's other CPAs now, but I think I was one of the first back then. I mean, I can get, I can get why they were interested in your story because you're, again, you must be really creative in terms of how you guys think because you're, you're a service provider, but then you're like, but we're not just service provider. We're an education company. Cause if we can educate people, it'll, they're going to just want to hire us. I mean, it's the classic, like, uh, you know, uh, I teach you how to do a funnel and it's so complicated. You're like, can you just do the funnel for me? It sounds so much, you know, but also it's, you're creating all these breadcrumbs of, of pathways back to your business for people. You go add value on, on, you know, a bigger pockets podcast or something like that, or come on my podcast, you add value and people go, wow, she's really smart. I've never heard of her before, but now it's a lead gen tool. (laughs) And so just, you were probably way ahead of the curve in terms of getting on a platform like Kajabi building content. Um, I just don't think most CPAs in particular, but service providers in general that are in an industry think that they're more than that. They just are like, I provide the service. I'm in this lane, but I think realtors should have a content business. I think, you know, like all kinds of people should like, we're seeing health, health people come out of just like, I'm a doctor to like, I can also be a health coach. And there's sometimes there's, you know, some compliance issues there, but like, how can I get more creative in terms of being an educator and a thought leader. I was at a, a, a dinner real quick. This is relevant. I was at a dinner this weekend in, in Napa um, at this event that we were speaking at Shay and I, and there was a guy who's an allergist, an allergen doctor, allergy doctor. And mm-hmm. he's like, he was very interested in what I do on, on YouTube. And he was kind of a throwaway comment. Like, well, well, I don't even understand anything about that. How could I do something like that? Or what would be the point? And I was like, oh bro, well, from what you just said, your business and your practice is running on autopilot. You're really successful. You're kind of bored. You're in your fifties. I was like, and you've done local TV and radio, like he's, he's good with me. I was like, you should have a YouTube channel because a, you could get leads for your business, but really you could become like the guy when it comes to allergies that people think of, because they're going to see your face. You're going to have valuable content and it could lead to book deals. It could lead to TV. Cause he joked about being like the next Dr. Oz. I'm like, how do you become the next Dr. Mm-hmm. Oz? You get on YouTube and you become known for the thing. And instead of just being known in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where your practice is, all of a sudden you're all over the world and you're just adding value. And there's so many ways you could monetize it or just open some cool connections and doors. And so just trying to get people to think outside the box. So it's pretty cool that you guys were doing that so early on. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, um, 
the biggest struggle to overcome, again, being in, you know, an accountant, right? It's kind of like, I understand why people will watch your content, you know, or like, hey, I want to know how to build a business. Um, but at the time, it was kind of like, who wants to learn about tax? That's like the thing that people dread the most. And it's like, oh, you want mm. me to read your book about tax? You want me to take a course about tax? Um, but I was really, really surprised um, at how well uh, a lot of our content was received. Because I think, you know, the biggest, um, I think the biggest challenge for me on a day-to-day basis is not the technical knowledge of taxes, because I've been doing that for so many years, right? And that's kind of what we do as a firm. Um, the biggest challenge for me all the time is how to make content easily digestible uh, that people can understand, right? Because I have a very dry topic. So for us, it's always like, okay, how do we bring it down in everyday language, not just talking like debits and credits and tax codes, but but using examples and just, you know, the thing that people can most easily relate to. Because I think um, one of the reasons people like overpay in taxes is because they don't understand it. And so Kajabi and through the course, it's really allowed us to do that um, and, and to have it where it's more easily accessible for everyone, not just like the Brandon Turners of the world, not yeah. like the, the largest investors of the world, right? Even, you know, everyday business owners can now access that information. It's so powerful. Um, speaking of content, cause I think you're right. Like wh- what do you see as some of the worst advice, tax advice on TikTok, on Instagram? Cause there's these people out there that are like, that's where people are getting their advice from is, is TikTok now. And there's people that are just sharing things that might not, only be off they might be like hurtful or harmful so what what, have you heard bad stuff and i bet it drives you crazy when you do hey friend we'll get back to the episode in just a moment real quick i hope you're enjoying the episode and if so please share it with somebody that needs to hear this episode today it would mean so much to me also i want to give you a gift for hanging out with me today i want to give you my free million dollar life-giving business formula on-demand training Inside of this less than 60 minute training, it will help you uncover your uniqueness to build a seven figure boutique brand without burning out. This is some of my favorite material. These are the things that I'm taking my private clients through, but I want to share them with you in this free training. So if you've already built your business, but it's not giving you life, it's taking life from you, this is the training for you. It's absolutely free. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash lifegiving. That's grahamcochran.com slash lifegiving, all one word, and you can register for your spot right there. Now back to the episode. Oh gosh, it certainly does. And sometimes clients will forward me TikToks or, um, you know, little Instagram reels. And um, I think that I I would have to say for the most part in our profession, if you're a CPA and you're putting out content and there's not a lot of us who do it, right? But for those of us who do, most of the content is pretty good. Um, where we see people get into trouble are the non-professionals who are sharing that information, right? So you have someone who's like a social media influencer talking about some specific tax strategy that they heard somewhere yeah. else or, you know, recreating someone else's TikTok. And, and that's where you get into trouble because, you know, it's kind of like if I have a heart problem, I'm going to go to my cardiologist. You know, I'm not going to go to like... Um, I don't, I'm not going to go to my barber for it. Right. So when you're looking at those videos, uh, always just take a second look. Who's that person sending out that yeah. content? Is that an actual CPA? Is that a, you know, an accountant or is it just, you know, some pretty girl that I really like looking on social media? Right. So second yeah. guess what that, where that information is coming from. Yeah. And no, that's a really good point. I mean, I think it's, it's hard because to your point, if there aren't a lot of accountants sharing that information, on TikTok or Instagram where people are 
may be interested in, in considering some of this tax advice because they're not going to go buy a tax book. And if they haven't hired someone like you, hey, maybe they like, will buy a tax book. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I don't think people buy books. Period. But like, I and they should because it's like, like that's where I got some of my early tax strategy was just reading some books and realizing, oh my goodness, whether starting with Robert Kiyosaki stuff, um, tax free wealth, um, and some other books from his his tribe, and then realizing there's there's things that I didn't, how did, how would I know about this stuff? How would I know that what depreciation is? How would I know that I could write this off? Like I didn't even realize what was going, it's a game that's being played. And so my, my thought was just like, it's, it makes sense that someone like, like I could be like an influencer. I could read a book, I could read your book and then I could talk about a tax strategy and I might miss a key element of it. Or I, I, I'm just talking about the concept, which is fine, but then should people then go talk to a tax advisor and be like, I heard this concept. Is this real? How does this work? And I'm sure that's how it, how it should flow. But you're, you're like this unique person who's getting out there and like you actually know the knowledge you do this day in and day out. And also you're good on camera and you're good on social media and you're creative. So I just didn't know if like, I feel like there's it's blue ocean for someone like you because there's no one who really knows what they're doing talking about this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's more, you know, there are more content creators now in the accounting space. And you mentioned medical. So we also have a lot of clients who are entrepreneurs in the medical field. I'm seeing more of that, too, um, cool. like uh, more on the educational side. It's it's really interesting how um, since, you know, we're talking about Kajabi and the whole platform, um, it ends up being, you know, if you're doing it correctly, a lot of that ends up being more passive income. Right. Which is sort of like I'm sure what you experience in a lot of our audience too. So it's one of those, like if you build something well, um, it generates revenue over and over. I mean, in my world, we, <laughs> I do have to constantly update my content because tax law is ever changing, sure. but it was really just kind of a one time big effort to create everything that I thought would be helpful for clients and then utilize. And for me, you know, we talked, you were talking earlier about that being a, a lead generator of a, a funnel, but, um, most of our content is really valuable to clients as well. You know, so when we create that, all of our clients yeah. get it. Um, and it's just, a, I, I think it's just helpful for everybody to have access to something like that. I think it's a, a great point for any service provider listening. Your content can also just be a value add for your clients that makes your brand more sticky and then wanting to continue to work with you because they get access to like a content library or a, a, a community or, you know, so I think it's really smart. You're like, you're just making people customers for life. Cause you're adding so much more value. I love that. Um, so, okay, let, let's talk about tax benefits for business owners. So people watching the show, listening to the show, most of them are entrepreneurs or they want to be, or having a business as part of the way they build out their life. Um, so they have the life they want. So what are some of the, the biggest tax benefits of running your own business that aren't available to employees. If they're coming from employee land and like I started my online business and it's working and now they're making money, but they haven't thought about there's new tax strategies that are available for them because they have a business. What are some of those sort of low hanging fruit ones that we should consider? You know, I think, um, especially for, well, first off leaving, you know, coming from employee land to entrepreneurship, that's a whole different set um, of strategies, um, to be honest, right? If we're just W-2, that is our only source of income, there's almost nothing we can write off against that. I mean, we can write off like our primary home. We can maybe 
put money into a 401k, but we're really limited in terms of what we can write off. You know, before we used to have some um, employee expenses, you know, a little bit of those, like even like a home office. Um, but back in 2018, they changed the law to be even more favorable to business owners uh, and investors and even less favorable to W-2 employees. And so if you're someone, you know, even if you still have a W-2, but now you're venturing into um, this other aspect of entrepreneurship, even if it's on the side, I think one thing is that's really important to understand is that in the eyes of the IRS, you are now considered a business owner. And so when you hear people talk about, oh, business owners have all these tax perks, all these write-offs, that also applies to you too. You know, you might have just started building your course and you don't have a legal entity yet, but it doesn't mean you can't take a lot of these legitimate tax write-offs as long as those expenses are ordinary and necessary to your business, you know, and what's necessary for my business might be different than Graham's business. Um, But the key thing I think when you're spending money is asking yourself, how can this be a tax deduction? I think something Graham, you mentioned earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Like how Um, I think that puts both you and your tax advisor in a different uh, space when we're thinking about stuff. Um, so if you're, you know, obviously if you're traveling to learn about building your business, you're buying a course or reading a book, those are clearly business deductions. Um, but other things like, Hey, you bought a, you bought a laptop, right? How can this laptop be a tax deduction? Am I able to use it mostly for my business? Um, so always train yourself to have that little voice in the back of your head to ask that question. I, yeah, I love that. Those are good examples. Like I, realizing that all of a sudden you can go from having to pay for everything after you pay the government um, to, I can buy, you know, equipment uh, like a computer. Um, I can get education, like my coaching, like high, like getting knowledge and expanding my ability to earn more money can be a tax write off, Uh, even traveling to conferences or um, even like, you know, Shay and I were out in Napa Valley this week speaking um, and we stayed at a really nice place and we got to have really nice food and, and enjoy ourselves in a beautiful place. But like we were out there to further our business. And so like all of our time was like connecting with people and serving even outside of being on the stage. And so that was a business expense. All of those things became business expenses because we were out there to work, but we enjoyed ourselves <laughs> at the same time. And so yeah. it's really cool to be like, wow, now there's so like, you, especially the more money you make and you see this, right. You become a, you get in a higher tax bracket. All of a sudden I look at everything as like a major, you know, tax savings It's like black Friday every day. Like if I'm in a 37 <laughs> or 40% tax bracket, it's like 40% off, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> yes. That's how I sometimes justify <laughs> some of my spendings. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think so you're not the only, right, I'm not the know? only one. No, <laughs> you're not the only one. Um, but yeah, I think it's really good, you know, for for people to understand too. Something you brought up, like, you know, you were at the conference, you did have enjoyment, right? And, you know, when you were there, you guys had some meals, maybe even by yourself. But if the main purpose of you being there was for this conference or was to meet with clients or or meet with other collaborators, then that makes those expenses deductible. And so some people are thinking, well, you know, I went there, but I also did some other fun stuff. For the most part, those are legitimate tax deductions. And again, even if they weren't, let's think about how can they be, you know, if just only two of you were going um, to Disneyland, but what if you invited your CPA to go with you, right? And then maybe that is now more legitimate as a business expense. 
events we were there, we're going to be discussing, you know, taxes and things like that. So, um, you know, just I think, you know, again, it's not like you always have to be thinking about taxes, but just train your mind to think about uh, when you're spending money, especially on more significant items like you yeah. know, maybe like a coaching program or a big trip. Think about how can those be a business deduction? And there's, I mean, the, the truth is there's going to be times when you just don't know. Like, I think this might be, but I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and that's where your tax advisor comes in, right? You can send them a quick email or give them a quick call and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Is it a deduction? How can I have it be a deduction? And how do I pay for it? You know, is it okay on my credit card? Should I pay for it from an entity or does it not matter either way? Yeah, I, I love that how you keep turning into how could it be a deduction instead of is this or is it not? Just skip either of those and go, how could it become one? Just to make sure that it is. I, I think it gets you more creative. And it, it for me, this was a big shift because I was a W-2 employee up until you know I was 26. And and when I kind of started my first business, again, no one had trained me for this. I didn't really understand. It's not just, oh, I'm making money. I'm working for myself. I'm my own boss. It really is a very different way in your words, the way the IRS views you. And so the way the money flows it, there's, it's a whole new mindset of like, how can I shift these expenses to be business expenses and not personal expenses? And it's just, an, you have to get creative and have to think differently. And so I've, I've slowly but surely learned more and more and more of like, oh my goodness, this is why business owners get ahead um, no matter what the business is, because not only can they make more money, which is the simple way, like you, you, you don't cap your income, but you can then now reduce how much things cost um, and the things that you're reducing the cost are usually things that for the point of IRS is to make more of a profit. So these are usually business generating activities anyway. And it really becomes this virtuous cycle of you're saving money to make more money, to save more money, to make more money, which allows your business mm-hmm. to grow and your, your quality of life to improve. And it's just like, man, there's those opportunities aren't there for the W2 earner. Yeah, I think you and I are maybe, uh, you know, in a similar, like we're obviously in like advisory roles for a lot of our clients. Um, and so whereas for you, I feel like you know, people come to you and say, hey, how do I, you know, kind of take my unique expertise, turn it into something that makes money? I sometimes see it on the other side, like our clients already have the expertise, uh, but they're like, how can I write things off? You know, I- I'm trying to get better at this. How can I write it off? And so sometimes my conversation with them is, hey, you're so amazing at this. How can you make money doing it? Um, wow. and, and at the same time, create a write-off, right? So again, you, you might be a doctor who just has W-2 income. We have no write-offs, but why don't we then create a course? We create some kind of consulting package. Now we're shifting all these non-deductible expenses into legitimate write-offs and you're making additional money with what you already know in your brain. Right? So awesome. I love that so much. It's so like, like it's funny when, um, you think about taxes, you said it's such a dry topic and it's so boring. Um, I think when, when, again, Robert Kiyosaki keeps coming up, but I think when, in one of his books, when he probably rich dad, poor dad said, you know, what's your largest expense in life? It's, it's taxes. Um, and it's like, man, we're looking at saving money on that car or that trip or the, you know, the furniture or my mortgage, but we're not thinking about how do I save money on taxes? And, um, it's actually gotten fun when I'm like, what like, and I'm asking you new things. Like, I don't understand. Like, tell me about, you know, a cost segregation and depreciation on, on, on the condo we have. And like, how can, how can I save more money? Because otherwise you're automatically giving it away to the government and whatever you think about, whether the government's doing a good job or a bad job with it is it, either way, you're giving it to them and you don't have any say over it, but you don't have to. And I think people are just giving too much money away because they are afraid of, I don't know, an audit or getting in trouble that they don't stop to educate themselves 
but I think it's fun. It's kind of addicting to learn like how much money I'm wasting that I can no longer waste. And I can keep more of my money. <laughs> I love that. You know, I mean, um, you know, you and I, we talk a lot about like the business side and real estate. Um, but I think especially for solopreneurs, the whole concept of retirement investing is huge, right? It, it was when you don't have other full-time employees, um, depending on how much money you make. I mean, we have clients who put away, you know, over 60,000 or even over a hundred thousand dollars into retirement every single year. And really the way I look at it is like, Hey, you know, you've made all this profit in your business. Would you rather pay the IRS or would you rather pay towards your own retirement? I mean, we know when we pay to taxes, our return on investment is zero, right? I mean, we'll get some good bridges and roads and all that, but our personal return on investment is zero versus if you put it into a 401k or a pension plan, that money is growing for you tax deferred until you retire. Um, and so, yeah, it's always just looking at like, now that I've made this money, what's the best way for me to utilize it? And it's really playing a game of keep away with the IRS, right? I'm going to reinvest into my business, reinvest into my team, reinvest into my retirement, reinvest into real estate and all these different ways to kind of continue to grow your money uh, without getting, you know, the IRS as as your side, I call the IRS your silent partner. Like you don't even know they're there because <laughs> they just kind of take the money off the top through paycheck and all that. And, and yeah. you, know, you just kind of get what's left over. Oh man, that's a great image. Silent partner that you never wanted. That doesn't help your business. Why are you benefiting from this? You know, I, I actually, I don't mind paying some taxes and I know our, you know, our experience when we were on, on food stamps, they call it snap now, but we were on food stamps for 18 months mm-hmm. when I lost two jobs during the recession. And that was a humbling experience. And I remember, I remember even having to walk into the the office downtown Tampa to apply and just like realizing, dude, I'm, I'm struggling like all these people, like I need the help. And that was very humbling and I was grateful for the help. But my, my goal was to get out from under that as quickly as I possibly could. Um, it took me a little while, but we got there. So I don't mind paying some taxes, but I don't want a silent partner taking almost half of what I make. It's like, you didn't earn that. You're not, why should you get half of what I'm making? So I, I love that. I love that your, your point of reinvesting in your business, even business expenses, again, you're, you're not paying taxes on those. So it's, it's a way to keep more of your money by investing in something or a team member or someone who could help you grow your business. So it's good to think about that. Um, you mentioned retirement and I'm just curious, I'm nerding out here. This is just personally for me. What is your take on paying taxes now versus paying taxes later after they've been deferred for 20 years, right? It's going to be a, I, I hear different sides of the argument, like take the tax break now every time you can. And then I hear people say, why do you want to pay taxes on the seed or the, you know, the harvest? What are you, what's yeah. your take on that? You know, it's kind of a controversial discussion, um, you know, in the tax world, like you mentioned. Uh, and I think there's, there's not a right or wrong answer. Um, the answer is it depends on the taxpayer. So um, I don't feel that you always should do um, tax-free money, you know, Roth account. So, so I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, we had a client who owned a really successful um, marketing business and he's historically just paid a lot in taxes. So one of the strategies we worked with him on is retirement contributions, right? As as much as you can put towards retirement, uh, so, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, because we want that immediate, you know, if he put a hundred thousand dollars into the account, he was saving $50,000 in taxes. So it was almost a 50% savings um, that was otherwise going to the IRS. And so he built up this huge pot of retirement money uh, during the time when he owned his media business. Now, Fast forward years later, when he's retired, uh, he's retired now and he owns a bunch of real estate. 
So now his the, his profile has changed so significantly because he no longer has that active income from his business. Instead, he has a lot of rental losses. And so what would we do with those losses? Well, now we look at his retirement account and every single year we're converting some of that pre-tax money over to Roth account for tax-free growth. And we're doing that at no taxes out of pocket because we're able to use the rental losses to offset all of that conversion income. Wow. And, and basically what, what that, what that ends up meaning is like he, he saved, you know, when he put the money in, he was saving taxes at about 50% and now he's moving it to the Roth at 0%. Um, wow. So it's an overall great strategy if you're looking at it long-term for this taxpayer, right? But, but not everyone yeah. has the same profile. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it really just depends. Um, but that's a, that's like a win-win, like you save the money and then you never pay taxes on it later. So that's beautiful. And yeah. I think that just goes to show why, you know, getting it to someone's brain like yours is, is helpful because it's a personalized thing. Like, what do I need to do? How much am I making? Cause I was always told like, you know, pay the taxes now, you know, put everything into a Roth or, or I had a Roth 401k for a while so I could put more into it. But then I saw my tax bracket just skyrocket. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm losing so much in taxes. If I just shift into this account, I'll save so much more now that I can keep, which means I could reinvest that in my business or I could have more put into the retirement account to offset. So it's just interesting how that shifted. And I think about the future, like I, you know, people say, well, tax rates will always go up. I don't know. They might, they might not. I don't know what your thought is there, but it's like, there's this, there's all these tools that are available to you and you do have to have like a overall big picture strategy. Not just, I saw this tip on TikTok of what I should do because it's sort of, separate and like isolated from your overall business and strategy. Yeah. I think one of the, the arguments for like, Hey, let's always, you know, tax rate will always go up. Uh, and then, uh, your income will go up right as you age. Um, those again is, uh, is very dependent. I mean, if overall tax rates go up, but the type of taxes I'm paying doesn't go up, then it doesn't really matter to me. And, um, also, you know, when we talk about retirement, Usually that means I no longer have active income for my business, right? So, you know, right now we're in the years where we have a lot of active income. And so naturally that comes with a lot of taxes. So we're trying to reduce it in retirement. Sure. We might make a lot more money, but generally those are going to be passive income, right? From real estate, from stocks. And so those are years where we have a, a you know, different and better ways to offset some of that tax. Um, so yeah, I think it just really highly depends on the person, but I would say retirement just generally means you're not working, which means all of our income should just be from investments, which we pay lower taxes on. Yeah, that makes sense. Really good point. Um, talk about real estate. I mean, I know it's your expertise. Why, why is real estate such a good investment vehicle from a tax savings perspective? And how can, how can a, an entrepreneur or solopreneur who's starting to, like they're starting to make good money, they, maybe they don't own any real estate. How can they start to think about incorporating real estate as part of their strategy? Um, you know, I mean, real estate is just one of the, it, it contains one of the biggest tax benefits. Um, and I think that's probably one of uh, the many reasons why most wealthy individuals or super wealthy individuals always have real estate in their portfolio. Um, and so, you know, as an investor, not only do we get to not pay taxes on the appreciation. So you buy property for a hundred thousand dollars, it appreciates to $300,000. You're not paying taxes on any of that um, until you sell it. Right. And even if you do sell it, there are ways to still defer the taxes if you are reinvesting and just kind of 
trading up into larger and better, you know, real mm-hmm. estate properties. Um, besides that, we also get to take depreciation, which is essentially a paper loss um, on the property itself. So similar to like when you own a business and we're depreciating our equipment or our furnishings, we can do that with the purchase price of the building. And so you can see how that's a very large dollar amount to look at in terms of offsetting taxes. Um you know, beyond that, I think, you know, even as solopreneurs, as business owners, I always tell clients, we want to have other sources of income. We want income that is purely passive because who knows, maybe one day, you know, we can no longer be doing what we're doing now. Maybe we can't service clients. You just never know. Um, and so real estate is just one of those hard asset classes that, you know, if you're doing it correctly, should generate passive income month after month. Um, so those are some of the reasons, you know, why people do real estate, right? The, the passive cash flow, and then also just the tax benefits. I know this is getting off, off into the weeds. So we don't have to go deep here if you don't want to. So, um, but what about syndicated real estate versus like actually going on buying a property? It, you know, if someone's like, Hey, I don't have enough money to even put down on a rental property or something like that. Should I put my extra 50,000 into a syndicated deal where I'm investing in someone else's real estate portfolio and getting a return. I know they're very different because you don't actually own the the thing, but thoughts there, pros, cons? For sure. I mean, syndication, you know, there's pros and cons of it, right? For people who are, syndication, I think works really well for people who don't really have a lot of time for real estate. They just kind of like, hey, I have money for real estate, but I don't want to be the owner operator. Um, so maybe you're super busy with your business and you just, but you do want to still have real estate in your portfolio. So a syndication provides mostly all the same tax benefits that you would get as your own, you know, property on main street, you get to do depreciation. There's going to be write-offs. And in fact, there's not much you have to do because the syndicator is going to be the one doing all of that for you. Right. And at the end of the day, you just kind of get that tax benefit, um, in the form of a K one and you, you know, you'll put it on your tax return. Um, so those are the benefits. And, and I think another benefit is most people who are syndicating are people who are highly advanced, uh, in the real estate investment side, because they're responsible for millions of dollars of other yeah. people's money. And so uh, basically we get to leverage, right? We get to leverage the expertise and the team mm. of that syndication um, to get better deals that maybe me, Amanda, can't get on my own, right? So those are some of the benefits. Um, the downside with syndication is loss of control. So if I buy property on Main Street, I can rehab it. I can get my hands dirty. I can decide what I'm going to do with it. Maybe I can even stay in there if it's a short-term rental. Um, but syndication, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm basically a, I'm a, basically the money person, right? That's what we would be. Um, so we don't get to make decisions or do any of that fun stuff. Yeah, no, that's a really great way to describe it. Um, are, are like the profits from a syndicated real estate deal, are they, um, tax deferred as well? Or do you, do you pay like capital gains tax on them? Like any other investment? Um, so yeah, it depends. Most of those, like when the real estate sells, um, we as the investors will pay capital gains taxes on it. Um, unless, excuse me, unless of course they can do a 1031 exchange or, you know, do the normal route of how you would defer taxes. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great fun strategies either way. When you get into the realm of real estate as business owners, we see a lot of people who kind of start dabbling in real estate. Um, because like you were saying, like I made all this money now, uh, maybe I don't really need to reinvest into my business. What are some other things I can invest in to grow that, that wealth? Yeah. Yeah. And I I love that because I think, you know, there's, there's the whole like 
bet on yourself, choose yourself kind of model of like, I'm just going to put all of my reinvest, all of my profit into my business and grow it as big as I can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know that has worked for people, right. That have bet on themselves and won, but there's a lot of people that have bet on themselves and lost as well. And, and so I'm, I'm very much of the side of things of like, yeah, grow your business. I want to build a business. I don't really want to retire from, but I'm never going to bank just on myself. I always want to take profit every month or every year out of my business and put it into some other asset class, whether it's real estate or someone else's business through stocks or, you know, private equity or something where like I'm betting on lots of other things to work, not just myself, because you just never know. And to your point, I may not want to do this forever. Even if I think I do now, what if things change or, you know, what if God forbid, like some, my wife gets really sick and we only have a couple of years left. I just want to spend time with her. And so I don't want to be working in my business. And you want to have like that passive income that's outside of your business um, as well. So I love, I love how you're thinking about diversifying that way. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, you and Shay do a lot it, 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 with respect to, um, you know, the profits and stuff is the whole concept of charitable planning. And charitable planning is a really big part of tax planning uh, for those people who are charitable minded, right? And 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 the tax code really <clears throat> incentivizes that, right? To the extent you're helping out the community, you just kind of nonprofit organizations. So um, if you're someone, you know, <clears throat> for our listeners, if someone is charitable inclined, that's always a great topic area to talk to your advisor about. Um, because, you know, there are ways to donate, you know, whether it's cash or your real estate or even just your stock, you know, part of your stock portfolio and be able to get a pretty significant tax write off in an area where maybe you were otherwise going to pay taxes, right? Like if I had stocks that appreciated in value, if I sold it, I'm going to pay capital gains taxes on it. But if instead I donated those stocks to my favorite charities, now I get a deduction, right, for the value of that stock. And also, I didn't have to pay any capital gains taxes. So so sometimes the number works out in your favor. It's like, hey, I'm giving away $50,000. But when we look at all the taxes you save, maybe the charity got 50000 But, you know, you also save like 30000 in taxes, too. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, definitely charitable giving is a huge part of our heartbeat. And, you know, it's, it's usually one of the things that's, that's not as sexy for people. Cause it's like, well, I'm giving the money away. So it doesn't, doesn't help me, but you know, but, you know, that's not the whole reason why I feel like we make money, right? I feel like we're blessed to be a blessing, but it is wonderful to live in a country that incentivizes generosity and charitable giving. And there's so many tools. Um, and we're, we're like pressed for time. Otherwise I would ask you a billion questions about that, but I'm grateful that that you guys think about those things as well. And you see them as even part of the, the overall strategy. Um, I want to, I want to get people to find out where they can hang out with you. But before we do that, I do end the show with a, a segment we do everywhere, um, every time. And we can go in any direction you want to go with this. This is philosophical. This doesn't have to be about taxes or what you do for a living at all, but something I call the golden rule segment. And it's real simple. You've got kids and you and your husband are training them up and you're teaching them and, and having all these great conversations and trying to pour out all your wisdom into them. Let's imagine that they, though, they grow up and they forget everything that you guys taught them. They just forget it all, except for one piece of advice, just that one thing that they latched onto and they carried it for the rest of their lives, kind of like a golden rule. If that were the case, what would you want that piece of advice to be? <clears throat> oh my gosh, that's a hard one. So they forgot everything, but except for one piece of advice. Um, gosh, I think the one piece of advice I think I would give them is to have confidence then in themselves 
um, just have the confidence that they, you know, they can achieve what they put their mind to. Um, cause I think a lot of us, you know, especially maybe I'm saying this because my kids are, you know, kind of pre teenagers right now is, uh, they lack that, you know, kind of does not really have an identity and personality, uh, but just understand that, you know, they do have it in them to be able to, you know, accomplish what it is that they want to do, right. Cause they put their mind to it. I love that. I love that. I think that's, I think that's the heart of a parent. I think it's the heart of a coach and mentor, right. Is to impute or impart belief into someone like you mm-hmm. can do this and you have value and worth because so much of our lives we, we're told we can't do it or we have insecurity and doubts. So I think that's a beautiful, if you can impart that confidence into your child or, or whomever you're mentoring, that's going to go a long, long way. Amanda, this has been amazing. Where can, um, where can people find you? Where can they hang out with you online or, or follow up with you if they have more questions? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for ways to reduce taxes, um, you know, from your business or from your investments, the best place to find us is on our website. Um, and that's keystonecpa.com. We have a lot of great free resources that you can download and we're always putting out additional tax content on changes and things like that. Um, if you're looking for daily tax tidbits, uh, or you want to see what I'm doing on the weekends with my kids and my husband, uh, the best place to find me is on Instagram as Amanda Han CPA. I love it. She does put out great stuff on Instagram, by the way. And, uh, and it looks like y'all have a lot of fun too, as a team, not just as a family. I saw some of your team stuff you were doing. It looks like a lot of fun. So, um, Amanda, you're a class act. Thank you so much for not only serving me and my family, um, by giving us tax advice and helping us navigate these things, but, um, thanks for just being able to take a complex subject and make it so conversational and easy to understand uh, and keep doing what you're doing. I think we need more people like you on this space, on these platforms, helping people who are too busy building their business and, and leading their families to maybe dive deep into the tax stuff that they so desperately need. So grateful for you. It was a fun conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you got some value out of that episode. I know I did. I love talking with Amanda because she's probably my fourth accountant now in the last decade plus, and the first one that's ever been able to explain things to me in a way that makes sense to my brain. And I've studied a lot about taxes and I've read a ton of tax books. So I'm grateful for her help uh, in my business, but I'm grateful that she came on the show to help you as well. If you want to learn more about what Amanda does, either to potentially hire her or just to follow her on social because she's constantly dropping helpful nuggets, check out keystonecpa.com or follow her on all the social platforms at Amanda Han CPA. Well, if you've enjoyed the episode, let me know in a comment below if you're watching on YouTube, what was your biggest takeaway? And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know, I love you and I appreciate you. And I hope that this added value to your life. Would you consider dropping a rating or review on the Apple Podcasts app? It does wonders for the show and also lets me know that you're listening. So I appreciate you. Have an amazing week and we'll see you on another episode. We'll see you.